Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 423. Uh, we're recording today live on Wednesday the 21st of October. Uh, join us every week in the chat room, sonicstate.com forward slash live, where we have a fulsome chat room, as well, I'm very proud to say every week seems to be getting fuller and fuller, which is all, all good. Uh, if you're not sure what we're on about, we are a music technology podcast. Uh, we talk about music production and the technology behind making music. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, in fact, I suggest you do because it's not all we do. We put lots of reviews up, uh, gear reviews, interviews, all kinds of good stuff. So uh, do that thing and then you'll know. Anyway, that's it. Message over. I want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors this week. Isotope are telling you about their Brake Tweaker, uh, Beats Machinery software, which is uh, pretty awesome, actually. You can actually win a copy if you stay tuned. And if you were here last week, uh, you may have won a copy too. So uh, hang in there and we'll give you the info on A, how to... uh, enter the competition and b how to um get in touch if you have won the competition right that's it so i uh, will go over to our panelists i'm going to start over here with mr dave spears in his synth cave version two dave spears of course uh geforcesoftware.com uh makers of fine software instruments although you might you might wonder why that would be with so many hardware instruments behind him and what looks like a vintage microphone you really have changed things around dave how are you I'm okay, thank you. Yeah, it's been epic. It's been really epic. God, I mean, when you go, you know, it's not a huge room, so I've been working on a 2008 Mac, uh, Mac Pro for ages, and it was time to make the upgrade, but I've still got so much stuff on the 208 Mac that I need to access that regularly, so it was... Okay, new Mac Pro, new stuff. Right, everything out the room, rewire, redo everything. New screens, new Mac. Uh, really nice little Pegasus RAID drive system. Beautiful screen, I hasten to add, which Robbie's got mm. as well. Uh, for me, it's just like the Oh, is that the super screen. wide one? Yeah. Yeah, the LG MoFo screen. Is that what it's called? I don't know. LG 37-inch, no, isn't it? But it's, it's, 30, it's not 37-inch, 16.9. It's called the 34 something or other. Oh. 37. I can't remember. 37 monitor. I'm just going to look at that, see if I can find yeah, it out. It's, that, uh, it's just super wide. Uh, no, I can't. Uh, WXGA monitors. Yeah. I'll give you a little link. Because no, I've got a new new thing as well. well new uh, webcam as well. Look at that. It's Whoa, wide. super wide. Yeah, that's neat. So you can get everything in there. See oh, that's what for those of you who haven't seen that. That's what the guests get back at themselves. It's like little celebrity squares type of thing, with uh, so everybody can see everybody else. There's a bit of yeah. inside behind. Big old race system up there, which is nice. It's got six drives in there. Uh, yeah. UAD Apollo. Oh, eight. lovely! Is that what uh, we're hearing? You are we hearing you through that at the moment? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I uh, yeah, I shouldn't really yeah. I've got. Nice. I bought. I bought a kind of cheesy podcast mic. It was a bit overpriced, really, for what it is. It's called a Neumann U forty seven, I think. <laughs> so I thought I'd completely overdo it and use it for this. Very nice. Uh, well, but yeah, I... the Apollo's beautiful. It's really. And can I just say, UAD yeah. are utterly amazing. They've always been amazing. I've always loved their stuff. So I got one of the very early serial numbers, and I believe there was a little bit of an issue with a component on the only the front inputs, which I probably never use because everything goes in the back. And they emailed to say, actually, your serial number, 
you know, having installed it all, which honestly took like two weeks to put this room <laughs> back together again. I mean, honestly, the missus was like, can I have my kitchen back, please? No, no, that's it. I was scared she was actually going to try and cook something on a synth. <laughs> but um, they emailed and they said, your serial number is one that's been affected. Uh, and rather than you have any downtime, we are shipping a replacement unit out to you. When you get it, take your old one out the rack, put the new one in. Uh, reauthorize your plugs, uh, put the old one in a box. They even included the tape to stick the box down wow. with and a complete, you know, obviously return paid. And it's like, you know, companies companies do make mistakes, but it's always been a real big thing here about, you know, if you make a mistake, it's the real benchmark of a good company is how you deal with it. And they have dealt with it amazingly so. Brilliant. Excellent. I'll have to talk to them about being a podcast sponsor after that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, also we'll go over to Mr. Rich Hilton, who's been uh, a, a travelling and uh, doing stuff in real life rather than here, which is, uh, which is great. Have you, how are you, Rich? Been gigging a lot? I'm well. Uh, yeah, we've been gigging and travelling quite a bit. And I'm well, thank you. Excellent. Rich, of course, is a keyboard player with Chic, which is why he's been travelling, because they gig incessantly all over the world in kind of zigzag jet-style touring, and uh, and also works in the studio with Mr. Niall Rogers uh, when he's not on stage with him. So uh, pretty much maxed out with Niall, I would say, which is good. If there's anybody you want to be maxed out with, I'm guessing that's the guy, right? <laughs> he is the man, and uh, it's more than just good. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to see you here, Rich, and I'm looking forward to getting onto some of our topics. But before we do, we'll say hello to Mr. Robbie Bronneman over there, um, who's on location where he's working on an album. Uh, we might, you might have seen him in this space before. This is a kind of private studio, and he's producing. And uh, his client very kindly lets him have some time off to uh, talk to us, which is brilliant. And your 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 hardware is growing, as I said earlier. You look like you're in massive swivelly chair, but it's uh, it, it's it's paneling, right? Acoustic paneling. Yeah, it's just it's just paneling. So we've I've got panels up behind because it's all it's basically about a two foot thick brick, well stone barn. So all the walls are just you know stone. So we've brought a load of these clear sonic panels to kind of put behind, and some bass traps in the corner and stuff, and brought the brought the kind of wall a little bit you know behind me, so I don't have to have this big space behind me. So it's, it's it does it, controlled. It does sound different, actually from yeah, previous yeah. times so yeah, excellent so that's good worked, worked well yeah and uh, what stage are you at then are you, are you still tracking or are you in mixing and arranging what's yeah, going we, on we've, we've, we've nearly got four songs totally completed i like to kind of just we like to work on a song and do it to its completion and then move on okay so yeah as opposed to have loads of eggs and you know all jumping about spinning as well yeah excellent. So, yeah, so we've got three totally finished and one just about to be finished at the end of the week well, thank you very much for joining us, Robbie. So we can move straight on. Um, I did say thank you to the sponsors, didn't I? Yeah, so let's do that. Right, so um, let me uh, press go and something may happen. This is the new Keith McMillan Instruments teaser. They haven't actually released official data about it yet. Four octave... Uh, sort of touch keyboard different format to what they usually do they've got sort of more full-size keys or they don't appear to move pressure modulation x and y very sort of roly uh rise seaboard rise kind of in concept because it does the multi-dimensional modulation expressive that's what i was looking for and there he goes 
It's always nice to see something new from Keith McMillan because they generally do innovate quite a lot and a lot of their stuff is really kind of fascinating and it seems to push the boundaries somewhat uh, within their, uh, their, their chosen niche. So this one looks, it looks like it's going to be about four, 500 bucks uh, and uh, I'm guessing that that's all I know. I mean, but you know, what's also interesting about this is it, it, it's yet another kind of uh, advancement of this expressivity towards keyboard players and allowing keyboard players to get into this kind of multi-dimensional thing, which I'm guessing, you know, depending on what you use it for, could be a very good thing, depending on, you know, I, I'm guessing if you're just going to be playing vamping chords, it might not be the thing for you, but certainly for stuff that's got more expression, per note expression. I'll start with you, Dave, because one thing that struck me about all of these things, same with the Rolly Seaboard Rise as well, is the ability to, if you could map those CCs out to various different control voltages and control all of that lovely electronic stuff as well, that could really start to open up the uh, the world of electronics and keyboards a bit further than it already is, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this looks quite fascinating. It's, it's, am I correct in thinking this is the same price as that little Seaboard thing? No, the Seaboard is, get... is a couple of hundred more it's, it, ah, okay. it's fi- i think it's 500 quid or or 500 dollars so i think okay, okay. Oh, i'd like to try this uh and again is this the i'm doing this but um you know where you actually wiggle the key does that that has that seems to have an impact on you can like, yeah you can do that it's stuff. got the x and y so you can do the pitch bend and stuff i mean i'm a set obviously you need something that uh that can receive that information and act upon it which uh, is, you know, obviously the the crux of this thing, really, or how you can map map all of that stuff. It's really interesting. I mean, on, on the original Imposca, we had a kind of guitar synth mode, which effectively gave you six, you know, it was a multi-timbral version of the, the patch that you use, and that way you could map it each to each individual string, and then you could get your individual pitch bends and stuff like that. And I think in the entire history of the instrument, we had probably about five people who used it. So we didn't really implement it on imp2 it just seemed to kind of bridge too far and now looking at this i'm kind of going oh that'd kind of be interesting because that way you could get individual expression on each of the notes mm. certainly in terms of uh you know filter cutoff and stuff like that but i like that whole it's weird I, you know i was fortunate enough to play one of those yamaha gx1 keyboards the the humongous organ thing and the very top keyboard the little mini keys thing has that thing where you can waggle the note from side to side and it will give you vibrato and it's quite an interesting thing to use you can look a bit like a tit after a while but <laughs> because your face kind of does that thing as well do you, you do wow wow face into it yeah 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 exactly <laughs> but i kind of like anything that gives a keyboard player a little bit more expression is a good thing in my book i'm a big fan of poly aftertouch as you know so yeah, well, particularly if you can dial it in as well. I, I, I know Robbie's got the Roly. Uh, uh, Rich was making gestures like he was uh, thumbs up at the top keyboard of the Yamaha. I'm guessing, uh, I don't know, because Roly are a UK company. They're probably not massively present in the US. Uh, I can't think, there are, I mean, there's obviously Harkin continue. I mean, they are there, but I'm guessing, you know, somebody hasn't popped around and said, hey, Rich, try this. Have you had a go on any of these kind of multi-expression? Because we've got the Roger Lynn, instrument we've got the hack and continuum we've got uh the roly seaboard uh range and now this as well and also some of to be honest some of the other uh keith mcmillan instruments do have an aspect of multi-dimensional control but not quite as integrated as this i think uh so the question is have i used any of them and sort of the answer is no i do have the q nexus which is sort of not like these 
I'd love to try the Roly and see how I react to that sort of spongy surface idea. I'd love to try this thing. Um, I love the idea of being able to generate vibrato by moving my finger side to side. And uh, the first instrument that I recall doing this was a Yamaha synth from the late 70s called the SY2. Um, but uh, I love doing that. And there's got to be more to this. I, I, I have to rethink my thing about where I am in a vertical world in order to control things like filtering and everything. So it would require modifying some technique, but I'm interested to try. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it, it probably has applications as a, as a separate controller where you would, you know, you might not want it on your, 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 your stock big MIDI keyboard controller that well, is right. going to be, but yeah, elsewhere. Um, it seems like a really great melody keyboard, for, for example. Yeah. The fact that you can generate those kinds of variations can really help the sort of static articulation of electronics in general. And uh, though I know we can do things to modify that as well, but it's nice to have it under your fingers like that, to feel the music a bit. Yeah, no, I could agree with that. I wonder, I mean, the, the keyboards on the SY and the uh, GX... I bet those things, when they go, though, I mean, how on earth do you... Because they must have all sorts of sensors and have a lot of mechanical aspects to them. They must be, you know... Yeah. I bet none of them work anymore, or very few of them. But uh, who Don't knows? know. But the one GX1 I did play was working. Oh, and well, that's it good. Was in, it was at ABBA's studio in uh, Oh, Stockholm. you lucky guy. Which ABBA studio, I think they've, they've, they've closed the building, which is such a shame. That should be historically... Yes, if closed polar studios yes another one bites the dust i know robbie you've got the the roly rise you know we've talked uh, not the sorry the seaboard studio I've got, well i've got the rise as well now oh have you i've got the little one as well yeah oh interesting I love it so much i wanted a little one for taking around and i like the extra aspect of the extra controls on the rise um yeah i'm quite kind of interested by this uh, what i like about the roly is the kind of the fact that the keys aren't separated in that it's one fluid surface. So the way you get bend between notes, I think will be a very different experience than yeah. this where you've still got a division. I don't quite know how that works in terms of elegantly making smooth bends between like consecutive notes. Uh, and obviously you don't have the, you don't have the ribbons at the top and the bottom, which is great with the roll leaf because you can use your, you use your thumb. If you're playing a note, you can use your thumb underneath. Uh, it's, it's a different instrument, but I mean, like, like Rich and, and Dave said, anything that, anything that kind of encourages people to think a little bit more outside of the standard keyboard playing style, I think is great. And certainly with some more instruments, hint, hint, being optimized for use <laughs> with this, you know, without being too much of a pain in the ass to set up, I think would be great. No pressure, I mean, Dave. The equator, I mean, ironically, I bet you could use the Equator software that Roly do great with this new Keith McMillan one. Yeah, well, I think the thing about the Keith McMillan one, because, I mean, you're right about the Roly and the ability to do the slide stuff, but this this seems to kind of be a bit more regimented, which for many people might be a kind of easier gateway to make the leap from a regular keyboard yeah. to one of those, because it's more delineated and it's got that multi-layer, so you've got black keys, white keys, which you do have on the Roly stuff, but you've also got um, the, the black keys also extend down parallel to the white keys effectively, don't they? So the whole, like you say, the whole surface yeah. is fluid. More in and the, the interesting thing about, Sorry. It's, I was going to say, the interesting thing about having the Roly for a while now, and I've, I've used it quite a lot on this album, got some really great things out of it, is that I don't think of it like I'm playing a keyboard. I really don't think of it like, oh, I'm just playing a spongy keyboard. It just feels like I'm just playing the Roly. It just feels like a totally separate entity. 
So although, like you say, mm. there is the chromatic element of the, of the loosely being a chromatic keyboard, you, you just kind of go into another mode when you play it, which is nice, because it feels like you're mastering another instrument to what you're used to. Did I hear you say you had to be more accurate with the Roly in terms of you know, where you place your fingers? For yeah, I mean, my first couple of weeks with it, everything did sound like a sick cow all the time, <laughs> as I said before. It was just everything just sounded like it was wheezy and out of tune, sort of like a bad harmonium sort of thing. Um, but, I mean, now that I've kind of got used to kind of, you know, zoning in, if, you're, if you've got some sort of keyboard skills, I think you can, you can very quickly work out how to you know how to not go into the cracks as it were well and of yeah. course uh, on the rise you can dial out that lateral movement yeah. so you can keep you can tone that part down and so the accuracy improves i guess right yeah Unt right, until yeah. you until you're better at it perhaps yeah until exactly. you just got one yeah. note playing <laughs> just you lean Good on it, and it plays. <laughs> but you're oh. right you're right in what you say that this that that's probably a little bit let for, for just a straight keyboard player who doesn't want to put in, you know, a lot of effort in terms of really learning a new instrument. That probably is a more of a halfway house than the Roly, I would have said. That's excellent. In the chat room, uh, Gravity Feeder says, it's the fretless bass of keyboards, which I think is probably quite a uh, an apt uh, <laughs> yeah. an apt one because they are quite hard to play um, if, yeah. you, if you don't know how to play them. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, 495... Uh, don't know when it's coming yet and we don't know you know because you often with the uh, Keith McMillan stuff they have other ports and other breakout kind of capabilities don't know whether any of that's going to be happening on this or whether it's just going to be pure you know MIDI out or USB to MIDI we're not not sure I'm guessing it's probably gonna have to be a USB because if you, you probably can't send that much data over regular MIDI ports with optocouplers I imagine it probably has to go because I know that's the case with uh uh, Novation Circuit, for instance, where there's lots of controller data that comes out, they they use it over USB for the the main bulk of all of that control because MIDI traditionally just won't handle that. But in in hardware, shall we say? Just very quickly, out of interest, Robbie, have you played a hacker yeah. continue? Um, no, I, I I that was I, it's always been on my radar, and um, but the, it was just really the sheer cost of it and the fact there was nowhere to f play one that I just wasn't I was never going to take a punt on it. I mean, even yeah. the, the small four octave ones, like way more than like a, a rise, a lighter than a than a the one I've got in the studio. So, and I and yeah, I mean, I, I I was kind of seduced because I saw all the great stuff that Amon Tobin did on his last album with it, and I was thinking, oh, I really, I would love to get one of those. But it's it's the it's the age old thing, isn't it? In this modern age of it, you come unstuck because you can't actually physically get to try some of these things out sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good yeah, word. No, I've tried one. I did love it. I did love it. I just wondered how it compared. I think Mark Doty's mad for it. I think he's desperately trying to get one. I'm sure he could get hold of one because he's in the right country for starters. But yeah, well, good. Okay. Uh, right. Well, there we go. That's the, uh, yes, as I say, that's the uh, KMI Keyboard Pro 4, which is the new addition to the range. I'm guessing we'll start seeing them sometime soon, or at least I hope so. Right. There's also this news. like a kind of history of electronic music well a, a, a history of all the synths John michel Jarre's got so electronica is um, a concept based on the idea that uh, i wanted to gather around me people from different generations people who have influenced me 
were a constant source of inspiration. People also who have marked one way or another or still are marking today the electronic music, gathering a kind of tribe of friends, people sharing the some similar vision to, uh, to mine. Yes, this is the news that, uh, before you all start raving uncontrollably, uh, it's the news of the news Jean-Michel Jarre album is out. Uh, oh, God. Electronica, it's called. Volume 1, in fact, because I know a few people who have been working or met Jean-Michel, and they're not in this one, so I'm guessing they might be in the next one, or maybe what they oh. did wasn't didn't work out, so I don't know. But it's a really interesting concept, this, because he's basically just asked anyone he, th- he could think of. I'll bring the webpage up here. A, this is on the version one. We've got John Carpenter, Vince Clark, Armin Van Buren, M83, Gesaffelstein, uh, 3D from Massive Attack, Tangerine Dream, Boys Noise, uh, Little Boots, good to see you there. Um, the F buttons, I won't say it because we'll get expletive, but you can see it on the screen. Moby, Pete Townsend, Laurie Anderson and Lang Lang, the, the pianist. And he basically, I, I mean, he's just sort of gone, who do I fancy working with? And they've literally all of them said yes i'll do it uh, which of is course. a kind of which is which is brilliant imagine being in that position and, and essentially you know if you were cynical you could say oh it's just a load of featurings but actually he's made it much more interesting than that potentially um so yeah kind of a good move um i haven't had a chance to listen to it all i mean it's quite jean-michel jar later years it's not as atmospheric and uh um, ethereal as perhaps you know some people who remember the early stuff but it's uh, it, there's definitely lots of different flavors to all of it i know rich i mean jean-michel jarre that, that that you know the first his his first forays in you know the oxygen oxygen two and all of that stuff i mean an equinox absolutely groundbreaking because when i was going through this i was listening to that and then you know the next playlist would just sort of kick in in, in uh, youtube and it would be the beginning of oxygen and you just think god that is so evocative it's astonishing how much impact he made and um Great idea for a project. Yes. And uh, seems to be all the rage these days. Is uh, And he, it's very, very smart for him, by the way, to be doing this now with all the interest people have in synthesis again and with his uh, standing as yeah. a pioneer, as you point out. Um, for him to choose now to do this is very smart of him. And a lot of guys are doing albums with a lot of guests. I work for one of them. Uh, and the album he's working on now has a lot of very well-known guests. Um, I think it has to do with a lot of things, but mostly I think it has to do with the difficulty in getting music noticed these days and the gradual slide from commodity into the trash can that music is sort of in and so in order to get noticed you have to provide as much uh star power as possible yeah it seems. but it's branding and, uh, isn't it so yeah for example the new duran duran song has nile and janelle monet on it um everybody seems to be working with somebody else these days and it seems to help get these pieces of music noticed so i think that that's what drives it yeah, I mean, the, the other thing I've noticed, I mean, you look at the just the shit that for each one of these collaborators, there is a video. Well, not all of them, actually, but a hell of a lot of them. Uh, <clears throat> they haven't got around to everybody. So they put a lot of effort into kind of filming the meetings and stuff. The Tangerine Steam Dream stuff is really interesting. I haven't had a chance to watch them all, yeah. but they've now, really... If I may say, 
It, yep. I'm sorry. If, no, I, if I may say also that Jar, I'm sure his motivation, his artistic motivations are pure. And I think he really did think about it and consider these things. And I don't think he's just, I don't think they're just sort of bottom feeding what's left of the record business. No, I no, think there I is an art, so, yeah. there is an artistic motivation here. And I don't want to seem that cynical about it, but um, I am pretty cynical about it. Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's a big event. I can't think when the last Jean-Michel Jarre album came out. I suppose if I'd done any research, I'd be able to trip that um, that fact off the top of my head, but I can't. I, this is a really smart move, and it's it, it's a big event, really, isn't it? It really is a big event. Robbie. Yes, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I've, I mean, I've, I've been following it quite keenly for the last few months, and I bought it the day it came out and had a good listen to it. Interesting. There's a couple of tracks on it where the top end is so cranked it puts my teeth on edge. There's a couple of sounds in it. I don't know. Weird, weird mix choices on a few things. It really is. It's like in the car. It literally. I. It was like I was going. Ah! But anyway, um, that aside, um, I quite like it. I, th- I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. But I always kind of thought it probably would be. Well, inevitably, I suppose, yeah. I think the ones with Vince Clark and stuff like that really particularly work great. I could do without some of the more sort of cheesy dance collaborations. And I like the one, the John Carpenter one's great and, and the, the Massive Attack one. But, you know, I think, I think like, like Rich said, it's not a cynical move. I think he, he genuinely did go around and as opposed to just sending files backwards and forwards, you know, and just adding a bit here and adding a bit there. He did go and spend time with all the people he worked with. And he <laughs> oh, was God, it's John Michel's order. Jar at the door. Quick, clean the studio. It's yeah. a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny. Vince Clark said when he got the call, he said it was literally the most famous person he'd ever met. That's how he saw it, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. That is pretty so, funny. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's a great project. So I wonder if he might try and wheel it out for, a, for a, some sort of limited tour. Well, I suppose you could. Yeah, you could. I mean, if you tour enough, I mean, there's people from very, uh, there's certainly a lot of people from Europe and France that could show up. And, and, and yeah, so maybe maybe so. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I guess, you know, wherever you are in the world, perhaps that would work. It's surprised, the only thing that surprised me, I mean, as, as a lover of electronic music, some of the choices surprised me and some of the omissions of people who I think are very influential in electronic music who just aren't even on the radar with it. But perhaps, like you say, if there's a potential volume two, there are some other people in the wings. Well, I think the idea, I mean, I think his idea was, if you sort of read and listen to the videos, is to kind of have it as a catalogue of people who have been influential. He's particularly interested when they're talking about the uh, um, the fact, you know, in, in and I don't know whether this is a controversial thought, but that, that the electronic music sort of originated in France and in Germany, you know, with the uh, Urcam, early Urcam and Music Concrete and all of that sort of stuff. And also in terms of popular music with, uh, uh, what's it, uh, Klaus Schultz, is it Klaus Schultz and uh, Tangerine Dream, and that so the, that one was particularly resonant for him, and I just thought that was a not. It didn't sound like marketing nonsense. It actually sounded like he really kind of meant it. I know, Dave, you're uh, you're you're into synths, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I don't. I'll tell you what I found most disturbing about it is that. Does Jean-Michel Jarre ever age? Yeah, that's really weird. Those videos, it's like, it's like, like the Peter Pan, you know, like the the Cliff Richard of Electronica, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Strange, isn't it? He's still 40. Yeah. I think what was interesting is you and I had this discussion about oxygen the other night. And uh, when I put the phone down, I went and listened to it. And 
I, I have to say, I lost interest in everything after the China concerts. There was something I, uh, it just didn't work for me that Fairlight and stuff. Yeah, maybe it was, and maybe it's a generational thing. You know, I know a lot, lot of people who are into the later stuff who were born, who are younger than me. You know, born later than me. Whereas I think, f you know, for that kind of uh, mid late seventies, Oxygen was was well, quite was, a remarkable. It was album. So I listened it? to it again, and it is incredibly atmospheric, and I've. I think I've subliminally absorbed a huge influence from that. You know, those kind of Berlin school sequences with the lush Selena and chordal stuff going over the top and particularly the EMS kind of effects and stuff like that. It's very, uh, I can kind of go, oh, I've definitely nicked a bit of that. Oh, yeah, I've definitely borrowed from that. I've definitely had that. And combinations, so, yeah. yeah. He's figured out, the, he figured out a load of combinations for us, didn't he? What goes well with what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm not. I, I, I did listen to it after we talked earlier today. Nothing's jumped out at me yet. In fact, a lot of it seemed very kind of trademark Jean-Michel Jarre sounds mm. patches, uh, which I know you know people who are really into him will just love love all of that and lap it up. And like Robbie said, you know, I think the Vince Clark one works particularly well. I like the one, the Zero Gravity one, actually, that was kind of more mellow and laid back. And also really interesting, I've had a dialogue recently with Pete Townsend and Vince Clark, weirdly enough. So it was kind of interesting to see them on there, particularly Pete, who I didn't realise until recently kind of how huge a synth dude he was and how a lot of the Who demos were actually written by Pete. You know, he would kind of take all of these kind of electronic compositions in and go, right, we need to take, we need to, you know, turn this into a band track now. So, yeah, fascinating. No, that is interesting. I'll tell you one thing that did strike me, and that that is, and that may be something to do with my advancing years, is I just get, I'm, I'm finding it really tiring listening to loads of tracks with drums on. I just sort of, in many ways, because of the nature of the way that drums are so far forward in a mix, it obscures so many of the other good stuff that's in there in a lot of ways. And I'm kind of like really, and going back and listening to Equinox, where any rhythmical aspects are very gentle and sort of just floating about, whereas the main, you know, everything is, is broader. And I, and I suppose that's that's something that I just thought, oh, yeah, I would like to listen to all of this, but I, I, I can't be bothered to listen to banging drum tracks. And that's probably, well, it is me, obviously. One, 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 one point of interest, I've listened to it a few times. At the, on the second half of the one with Vince Clark, there's this big kind of clap sound that comes in. And I swear that it's the whole time it's shifting all out of time. It's driving me mental. <laughs> I've, had to, I've, had to, I've had to skip in the car every time it comes along. I just can't bear it. So if anyone wants to concur with me, <laughs> that I'm not going mad. I'd be very happy. It's analogue, man. <laughs> yeah, it's analogue, yeah. It looks, it's almost like he, someone said, I'm going to play this in by hand because I can. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, that would have to be John Michel because otherwise, you oh, know, you, maybe, yeah. you, maybe you wouldn't get away with it. <laughs> That's yeah. a nice spot there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's let's uh, break these up a bit and uh, just have a little word from our sponsors, uh, who are going to be talking about Brake Tweaker. Uh, assuming I can get the video to play, this is a ah, perennial issue. This is obviously designed by BT, developed by Isotope. Brake Tweaker is not just a drum machine. It's a drum sculpting, beat sequencing environment that blurs the line between rhythm and melody. You can actually put uh, quite long samples into it and have uh, steps and, sh uh, and slices jumping about, all sorts of uh, modulation possibilities. You can give your beats an ever-evolving depth that gets better the longer they play over time. Uh, you can use rhythmic slicing to drive everything from pitch melodic lines, as I said, to sweeping rhythmic overtures. 
you can top it off with a big drum sample library which is curated by BT and Isotope and other top producers explore a new era of rhythmic possibilities with this forward thinking forward sounding instrument and of course you can always try it out for yourself go to isotope.com forward slash break tweaker and you'll be able to download a functional demo uh, and see for yourself just how cool it all is Right, and of course, this comes to the time of the show where we uh, announce the winner of the competition. I think I'll start with the new competition. Uh, what we want you to do is you need to be on Twitter. If you're not watching the video, I'll explain what goes on. You need to tweet the hashtag. Uh, this week, it's Beat Sweet, as in Beat Sweet, as in Hotel Sweet, not uh, Candy Sweet. And the hashtag Break Tweaker. Those are both single word hashtags, Beat Sweet and Break Tweaker, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And we'll pull a random... Uh, winner from the resulting tweets and of course uh, with the tweets you can attach pictures videos uh, witty comments uh, perhaps not so many insults if you can possibly avoid it and uh, we will just track them and you can win but uh, yeah stick something fun on there as well because we might retweet it if it's uh, if it's particularly enjoyable Uh, and we want to say we do have a winner from last week Uh, the winner is a chap called peter churchyard and his Twitter handle is now. If I could read this, I should have made that font bigger because uh, it's too far away. The screen. It's called. Uh, he's called Code Wizard Fifty Eight. That's at Code Wizard uh, at Code Wizard Fifty Eight. Peter Churchyard, you have won your uh, very own copy of Break Tweaker. The Isotope Fairy will take that and uh, give it to you uh, via email. If you get in touch with us and show us your email, you tweeted. Since I have no sense of rhythm, tweet to win creative drums and Break Tweaker. So yeah. Good point. Well, well made. So, Peter Churchyard, get in touch. Uh, that's at Code Wizard fifty eight, and uh, you have now uh, access to a full working copy of Break Tweaker. So, uh, let's get on to uh, another topic. Let's see what we've got here. Ah, oh, yeah, here we go. This is uh, basically Eventide uh, releasing uh, their Anthology X, which is pretty much everything they've ever done in hardware the classic harmonizers single channel ones let's have a look H3000 gorgeous reverbs a whole lot uh, I've got the website up here as well and uh there are a ton in here. I mean, and these are these are sort of classic, as it said. You know, you've count, heard them on, on countless, countless studio albums, and and uh, and singles and whole lot. I mean, there's a big bundle. I mean, it's a, it's not a. I don't know. I suppose it is quite uh, um, affordable. It's six nine nine bucks. But if you already own some Eventide plugins, you can uh, you could get various discounts, which is well worth thinking about. I'll come to you first, Rich, because I mean, I'm guessing you know in your studio career, which has spanned uh, more years than mine, say, and probably. N- you had your hands on some of this stuff because I very rarely, <laughs> I very rarely get to play with the Eventide stuff. But there's so much legacy in there, isn't there? I mean, there's an enormous amount of stuff, and I guess these are uh, algorithm ports, and I guess there must be something to do with the electronic modelling as well. Are you have you found Eventide have played a big a big part in your recording histoire? Absolutely, no question about it. And uh, I do look to do things that I used to do in Eventide hardware with other things and software these days and it's becoming easier as sound toys to keep releasing stuff but um this is a very nice package of amazing emulations and if it sounds good which i don't know um it should be wonderful i do have their ultra channel i believe it's called which is 
which they were giving away briefly. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think or, I got that as well. Um, and it's really nice. And the Omnipressor in particular in there is really nice. The EQ seems to work well. It's got gating. It's got EQ. It's, it's you know, so I expect it's all going to be good, but I haven't heard it, obviously. But uh, 910 Harmonizer, 949 Harmonizer were big in my life at one time. Yeah, and, and having access to all of that stuff is great. I mean, I know, Robbie, I mean, guess you're kind of producing yeah. a lot of the time. Some of those classic sounds that you may want to kind of revisit or whatever, are you finding, I mean, I guess you're, you're working in the box now, so you probably haven't got a lot yeah. of Eventide uh, hardware lying about the place, right? No, no I did use it for a little bit because Howard, for years, used to have Bob Clear Mountains UK racks just permanently in his studio, and he had some stuff in there that I used to fiddle around with a bit. Um, but... Correct me if I'm wrong, but all these, pretty much all these plugins that are in this package have been out for years anyway. Ah, okay. They just bundled it all together. Pretty much all of that stuff's been around for four, four or five years, if not more. But I think it's just a convenient package at a, at a kind of enticing price. Yeah, six nine nine bucks, I think, if you're coming to it yeah. fresh. But if you already own some of them, you get various amounts of yeah. discount. I think. I mean, I, I I like rich and kind of. The nearest I get to it is, I guess, things like the crystallizer in Sound Toys. I'm such a massive Sound Toys fan. In which, and actually, they all got upgraded this week, didn't they, to version five with the new racks and everything, which is great. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good so, tip. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, cost me the princely sum of fifty dollars, which I thought was a bargain. That is a bargain. Mm-hmm. I their micro shift. So. Sorry, their micro shift yeah. also models the old uh, nine ten, you know, right, yeah. harmonizer behavior. I know, Dave, you know, you probably, like me, were perhaps uh, tinkering in studios or watching other people tinkering in studios when there were, when if you had Eventide stuff, you were kind of top drawer, right? <laughs> this, and, yeah. this and maybe a Lexicon 480. Yeah, and a Bell, what was that? BD, BD80, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sampling. God, oh, that's taking it back. I don't think I was allowed to touch, well, that was used for drums, wasn't it? I don't think I was allowed to touch any of those. There was a kind of clear demarcation in those days. You're the synth dude. Don't touch the desk and don't touch any of that stuff in the rack. That's it. <laughs> you create that sound that I've got in my head and it goes something like that. You kind of beaver away for a few hours and then they go, okay, that's it. So, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I was around this stuff, but I never really used any of it. But it's interesting that because I like the sound toy stuff as well. And uh, it's interesting that the micro shift is uh, a bit of an emulation. Yeah. So yeah, I've unwill, I've unwittingly been seduced by the Eventide sound. I know that. I wonder if uh, you know because obviously there, there are other ranges of effects that perhaps aren't showing up yet in, uh, in in this sort of form, and that would be something that would be kind of interesting to explore. I wonder if you've got any kind of wishes, either uh, any of you guys, as to what you'd like to see available. You know, some of those classic algorithms from other uh, effects units that you know maybe are companies that don't no longer do it. Have you got any got any wishes there, Robbie? Is there something that you'd like to see uh, uh, softed? We already got one of the ones I wanted, which was the AMS, which came on the UAD, I think, last year. I think there's the companion, there's the other companion AMS, I've forgotten what it's called now. There's the, uh, which, what, what were they? There was the, the reverb and the delay one. Yes, they had lots of blinky red lights on them, didn't they? I yeah, the, one, the other one, I'm hoping they'll do the other one whatever the other one is but i don't i don't really have much first-hand knowledge of it i just um i just remember it was kind of the era of the music i love so um yeah so um but yeah i mean we've got so much available now haven't we i mean god 
we're just overrun with so many choices and plugins. You, I just find myself, my 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 plugin buying gets much more considered nowadays. I mean, I used to be like, I've got to have that one because it makes the set that goes with that one. And now I just don't, I'm not into all that. I've just got a clear set of tools that I know I use every day on everything I do. And I like to kind of gradually add a few extras to that mm. as opposed to just sort of just, you know, buying everything coming out. I don't know. I'm kind of in the uh, in in the in the idea of you know because I grew up with the old mid the old Elysis effects you know the eight bit and the twelve bit you know right. the mid, MIDI verb one MIDI effects uh, MIDI verb two which still has some amazing kind of uh, big reverb. Well, I thought they are. They probably don't sound anything like as good as the other things. SPX nineties rev rev five rev seven that kind of thing. I mean, it'd be nice to see some of those things available. I know maybe they are, and I just haven't looked hard enough. I don't know. Am I am I living in cloud cuckoo land, or can you see anything else? Can you think of anything else you'd like to see modelled? I mean, I guess particularly it's going to be more in sort of time dele- time domain, but maybe not. Rich, EMT two forty gold foil. I would like to see that modelled. We have pretty much the rest of the EMTs well modelled. Why not that yeah. one? Um, uh, one? I'm not pining away for stuff that looks graphically on screen like the stuff I used to use necessarily. I mean, it's all well and good, and I do enjoy my UAD stuff. And But as I consider what I want to use on a thing, the fact that it's got a faceplate that looks like an old Neve is less interesting to me than what it actually sounds like and how it works in this. I don't assume... There's a certain seduction that takes place with all this, you know graphic representation of what is essentially software code and it may or may not match you know what it is what it is and i have no problem with using them or using things that don't emulate old days stuff so i don't really pine away for this you know the old yamaha reverbs the sbx i'm not that romantic about stuff as you've probably figured out by I, now. I, um, I think yeah i think i got that <laughs> <laughs> But an EMT two forty uh, gold foil would be nice. Now that we have the BX twenty, what is that? Don't know that it's one. It's a, it's a smaller EMT reverb that used gold foil rather than that enormous plate in the one forty, and it was a really great sounding, different character, reverb to the one forty. And uh, the studio I worked in had one, and I really liked it. Wow. And we also had a BX twenty, and like I said, they now have finally modeled that. That's brilliant, guys. Yeah, the, the BX20, I, I know because uh, Will's actually Will, Will's got an EMT240 plate and he's also got a, a BX20 reverb, which it looks like a Leslie cabinet. And I guess the springs run up and down in it. I, I think yes. it's spring, isn't it? But it's also got this weird thing where the left and the right outputs sound very different. So you can create this quite wide spread of sounds and it, it's just got a particular flavour to it. It's very warm and they look fantastic. It's the sort of thing that you need to leave a, a little can of Mr. Sheen and a a, 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 a duster to Yellow keep it duster. yeah to keep Yellow it all duster. kind of looking good. Yeah. Um, and that's AKG, isn't it? BX20? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's on the UAD now. Right, yeah, uh-huh. I think they released it just yeah. recently. Yeah, it's great. But in reverbs lately, I've been romancing these exponential audio reverbs, and uh, the R2 does that colored sort of lexicony thing really, really well, and it doesn't look like a lexicon. It just gives me that stuff that I liked. You Is that know? company rich? Uh, exponential audio. I'm getting there. Exponential audio has Here we two go. reverbs, Phoenix Verb wow, and um, me, R2, that are both outstanding and very different. Let's have a look. Products. Uh, Excalibur Phoenix Verb. 
And they've, mm. they've gone for a very sort of modern OS type of uh, interface, which you know makes means it's uncluttered and you can see what you're doing, which is another thing, isn't it? It's sort of, it's all very yeah, well having... Straight, yeah, pretty straightforward to use and it just sounds, things sound great right out of the box. Let's see, what do they call I, I tend to have all my reverbs covered pretty much with the, the UAD stuff and the um, Valhalla ESP ones. Ah, and then a bit of altiverb thrown in for a bit of real stuff sometimes. Yeah, 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 got that too. The MT two fifty in UAD is particularly yeah. glorious, I think. Uh, MT is that the one that looks like the space console? Yeah, yeah, with the big ships. Big... It's got the the handles on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just looking for that. Uh, yeah, no, that's the one. I really like that one. Actually, that's got a certain something about it. Never seen one of those in real life. No, I think I have. I think they used to have one at uh, studios to work at, or they, they had one come in. I'm just curious, while we're I on do. the subject of reverb and stuff, so do you tend to have, like a, a like in the way that you would have in your desk when you used to split the, the effects returns on one side, so you'd have, you know, your small reverb, big reverb, short delay, long delay on auxes one to four. Do you have a template way that you set up if, yeah. if you're working in that way? Do you do that, Robbie? I do. Yeah, I do, yeah. I have, like, about eight different reverbs and delays for different things that are all in a permanently in a template yeah and I have, I have always i always have like a couple of like special effect ones like like you know big modulated shimmery type ones for shoving stuff into and they're always permanently set up yeah in my case they'd always permanently be on as well. yeah. <laughs> without the drums it's fine you see uh, yeah rich what about you do you do the same thing you have a sort of template or do you tend to build as as the job requires it I have a mental template, and sometimes I create a physical template from which I can copy the things, but it essentially boils down to a few reverbs, a bunch of delays at different rhythmic subdivisions, uh, some effecty kinds of things, like Robbie described. Some of them go swoosh. Some of them are like, you know, harmonizer-style effects. Um, and then after I've got all that, I build from there, and sometimes individual things get their own ambience within the mix anyway, and sometimes they just get dumped into one of these various things that are often dumping into others of those various things right i've got it if, well, if that helps <laughs> yeah no that does what about you dave you because i mean you you're also a, a apollo a uad user do you find that you that's what you're using for reverbs because you also use logic don't you and the uh what's the convolution reverb in that chord i've forgotten what it's called which is not bad space designer i do space use design. that quite a, yeah i do use that quite a bit I've got a request, though, for a plug-in, please. If Sony... This is a yeah. very left one. If Sony are listening, the uh, I think it's the D7 digital delay. One that uh. I really like that software. That's a big, big underworld unit. It's part of a few sounds that are real trademark sounds. And, of course, the displays die over time, and it's like, Dave, can you find some displays for this? Can you fix this? Can you get that? Can you find another one of those? Can you do this? So to have that in software would be really, really cool. That's this guy, right? Single rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got some very distinctive stuff in it. Didn't they used to um, do some sort of convolution type or impulse type reverb Re that had a yeah. wooden case? Yeah. <laughs> they did, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Looked like the dashboard of a, of a, of a limousine. I seem to remember. Yeah, it had like a walnut dash, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> I can't yeah, remember what that was like called. It, it was like, like a companion yabba. to go with the VL7 almost. Yeah, 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 exactly. Not a great idea. <laughs> I don't know what it sounded like, but I'm guessing it's probably rare as uh, the proverbial rocking horse uh, yeah. stuff. 
Anyway, okay, well, that's the news of, uh, that's the lexicon stuff. But I mean, you know, if you want to get hold of the whole thing in one go, and maybe you already own some lexicon stuff, I, I forget what the pricing is, but uh, most retailers have got it listed if you already own. And I guess it's a, a downloady thing. Um, okay, right. Uh, let's see, where are we? Ah, oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to go straight to this just because I think it's quite funny and it might work. As we know, um, today is Back to the Future Day. If you're a fan yeah. of 80s movies, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to get into what it was like 30 years ago, but this is the trailer. This is where they went when they went forward to the future. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Ah, good times, eh? Time machine. I won't play the whole thing. And obviously there's been much, you know, there's been all sorts of, uh, I don't know if you, if you watched Newsnight in the UK, there was a, a, a very starting uh, where uh, Jon Snow got into a DeLorean and they did all these graphics of him flying around the universe and interviewing various uh, scientists about, you know, what was actually happening. Were the things predicted then the things that are actually happening? And I thought rather than th do it that way... Um, what about going forward? In 30 years' time, what kind of music technology do you envisage seeing or that might be possible? Or you'd like to see possible? I know it's a bit random, but I thought it just, and just in, 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 in homage to Back to the Future Day, which the world seems to be very caught up in. Can I, uh, can I just say, by the way, Nick, well, I've just sent you a link. The doc actually did a special message for today. Really? Yeah, I've just sent you the link for it. He's in a DeLorean and everything. The doc, let me see. Uh, where did you send uh I've I sent it to your, e to your email. Okay. Ah, uh, there we go. Let me have a look. Did a special video. All right, uh, let's see if we... Uh, let's, let's have this. Okay. Oops. Great start. If my calculations are correct, it is now... Precisely October 21st, 2015. <laughs> the future has finally arrived. Yes, it is different than we all thought. But don't worry. It just means your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Ah, what a great message. Thanks, Robbie. That was very kind. <laughs> So back to my original question. Oh, actually, no, before I go, uh, before we go there, um, Dave Robinson sent in a, uh, a Back to the Future joke. Dave Robinson, of course, editor of Presound Press News. He said, uh, question, why are there no electric pianos in Back to the Future? Answer, because where they're going, they don't need roads. Ta -da! There we go. Oh. That was fairly rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> fairly rubbish, but there we go. <laughs> right. Okay, Dave, you're a man who's got a lot of uh, old technology about the place. Uh, what do you think, 30 years' time from now, if you were going forward to the future, what would you anticipate or like to see in music technology? What would I really, really like to see in 30 years' time? music being valued and musicians being able to make a living. There's a controversial yeah. statement, if yeah. ever there was one. Well, <laughs> we could look back on this era in 30 years' time and go, you know what, that was terrible. Now at least we're earning some money. That would just be really something for me. Yeah, well, that's and true. And the musicians. So, yeah, that's if it. If we're really actually even me. using money by then. If we're even... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've got your Apple Pay thing out. My, my, one of my old tracks at number one worldwide 
Yeah. Or whatever the equivalent of number one is. <laughs> you need that almanac, Nick, so you could just go back and anticipate and rewrite the hits and pass them <laughs> off as your own. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. I don't, what about you, Robbie? Any, uh, anything you, you care to share? I don't know. I think I'm with Dave. I think Dave, that, what Dave said, that was what I was about to say. Oh, dear. Yeah, Should look I... back at this period as being the bleak era, <laughs> the sort of cold, the cold, the cold years of music. I think there's got to be uh, there's going to be a bunch of uh, incredible there's, artificial technology as well. That's going there's to some very interesting stuff. Some people have posted that whole thing about you know um, the faces being able to superimpose your mouth movements on faces of obviously dead people and stuff like that. That's going to be that's scary and quite exciting in equal measure, really, because that's just rife for abuse. If we think the whole piracy sphere has been abused that's personality just theft completely. yeah image theft. yeah 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 i'd like to be able to grab things in the air like iron man does <laughs> you know minority report style some of that sort of business get rid of these monitors and have these clear monitors they're always showing us in those films maybe yeah and maybe by then we'll actually have a flying car who knows i don't know um rich yeah what uh, <laughs> what do you think discuss um I think that the uh, article I read by the guy who predicted sort of the downfall of the music business, who refers in this to the crisis of proliferation, where everybody has so much that none of it's worth anything anymore. And then he goes on to predict that the three-dimensional printer will change the face of business completely because now when you need a new kitchen set, you can basically print it in your garage rather than having to order it from Amazon or go to... Yeah, that's the guy. And uh, and uh, the idea that most of the hard goods that we now have to purchase at retail will no longer be needed to be purchased and what that might do to the world economy. I mean, those are some of the things I'm thinking That's... about. But I like Dave's idea a lot better, and it's much more uplifting. So I'm going to go with that. That is an interesting concept, isn't it? The notion of this is the guy you were talking about. I actually ordered his book, which, yes. uh, as you can see, I haven't even opened exactly. yet. Uh, That's the Jacques Attali uh, noise, uh, the political economy of music. Um, but yeah, it's the interesting. So you know, uh, currently we license software. We don't own the software. We license uh, music. We don't physically own it. We have a digital copy. So perhaps in the future we won't own anything. We'll just download the blueprints, the license of the blueprints, so we can print off. You know, maybe you could buy a license for ten years worth of washing machines, or you know, a sofa that will last. You know five years rather than uh, two years or whatever, that sort of stuff. That's an interesting from a, from a developer's point of view, there's something very scary about that in that can you imagine the tech support calls <laughs> somebody <laughs> trying to print a washing machine? <laughs> or a power, a, a power tool, God forbid. <laughs> do you, do you right. think we'll get to the place where you'll be able to replicate electrical components as well as, because at the moment printing's fit effectively just plastic objects, isn't it? I mean, will we get to a point where you can replicate all the electronics to make a device, or is it just physical, you know, like like the buttons snapped off on your washing machine, or, you know, are we talking way beyond that, do you think? That's a good I point. I saw an article about somebody printing a car or some sort of vehicle. Wow. All right. I haven't seen that one yet. That would be, but that still requires, that would, that's most, I guess, mechanical, perhaps more than electrical, apart from the actual combustion. I, mean, no, I, get point. I get Robbie's point. Yeah. The limitations of the plastic and the non-conductivity and all that. I understand. Mm. 
But uh, yeah, it's a strange technology, isn't it? I know a few people who bought 3D printers expecting, you know, to be able to make parts for synthesizers and buttons and things like that and have just gone, actually, it really isn't there yet. Not on a budget anyway. You're better off buying a buying a 1970s plastercraft set and getting some and doing it that way with moulds. Yeah, yeah, clay or play-doh. <laughs> you have to. Oh, bang. yeah, those those things you used to used to fill with plaster of Paris, the rubber things, and then take them off. You'd have uh, like a little Beatrix Potter character, or something. and you'd paint them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is excellent. Um, I I wanted to get that one in there because I noticed the time was moving on. So perhaps we might uh, we might not get to some of the other uh, other other topics, which are quite. Uh, uh, unless there's anything specific that you would like to have the other two. I mean, they're mostly, uh, well, maybe do quickies, actually, because uh, the first one was, uh, it, it is the, uh, I don't think I've got a click for that. It's the new uh, Analog Solutions, Nyborg, Single Voice. Let me see if I can bring that one here. Just a few new synths that are coming out. This is the, yeah, the Analog Solutions. Let me just try and make that a bit bigger. It's a Single Voice synth. Uh, two oscillators, kind of similar in concept to the uh, Mother 32 without the sequencer, but sort of, and the less patch points. But people have seemed to be quite excited about it. It doesn't look like it's Euro rack a ball, but it does sound like it's going to have those nice oscillators and quite creamy filters. I haven't got any of their stuff. I have got one in for review. Uh, so that'll be a quick one. And then the other one, the other quick one was the, uh, let me see, is it, uh, yes, it's the the news of the Erebus Dreadbox modular stuff, which does, I mean, I'm excited by that because their stuff sounds fantastic. As you know, I'm a big fan of the, uh, oh, plug all of this stuff, I might be able to pick it up. <laughs> a big fan of the uh, Erebus, which I think is a lovely sounding instrument. So that is quite interesting. And Robbie, you sent something in as well. Yeah, which, that uh, looks cool, that uh, thing. I'm just trying to find now. This is the, uh, what is it? It's the uh, Monomy. It looks a bit like a um, Mono machine. It's got that electron kind of form factor. This is... This is ready. And it's got breakouts already for analog and everything. So it's like a, a unit that's ready just to put a few of your own Euro rack stuff in. It's all self-contained. Ah, so it's sort of a fancy case that will interface with Monomy kind of technology. Is that? I, I, I mean, I am absolutely. I think apparent. you just put Eurorack modules straight down the bot front, and you've got all you've got proper analog breakouts, you know, non-Eurorack level and all that on the back. Ah, okay. So that top layer is the breakout, and the bottom layer is the Eurorack modules. I yeah. see. So the top uh, layer is kind of useful utilities like mixers and stuff that they already provide. Okay. Seems like quite a nice, elegant solution for a portable setup. That does look fun. Uh, are you are you starting to hanker now? You've, no, no. I'm, the thing I'm is, a man in your position who's producing records, one has to move on. Otherwise, you know, your sound will become will become sort of it won't move along uh, the time. You have to buy some more stuff, Robbie. No, no. The only thing I I might concede, I might actually buy one of the the boutique since when it comes. Actually, I've got those. Uh, I've I got an NDA, not an NDA, a um. Uh, loaner form the other day and I'm uh, they should be en route but the there's one... a guy who's done a review online and he, he does direct comparison he's got because all I wanted to see was somebody with a Jupiter 8 and one of those in front of them and a Juno one of those in front of them instead of all these demos playing like techno stuff which is totally irrelevant to the units um, 